Chapter One of the Peril Finders. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elaine Webb, Bristol, England. The Peril Finders by George Fenn. Chapter One. Well, boys, where have you been? The speaker, a sturdy-looking, sun-tanned man, seated upon a homemade stool at a rough homemade table in a homemade house of rugged, coarsely sawn boards, with an open roof covered in with what one of the boys had called wooden slates, had looked up from his writing, and as he spoke carefully wiped his pen, for pens were scarce, and corked the little stone bottle of ink so that it should not evaporate in the superheated atmosphere before it was wanted again for the writing of one of the rare letters dispatched to england these being few the writer preferring to wait till the much talked of better days came the days for which they had been patiently waiting five years the boys looked sharply one at the other their eyes seeming to say you tell him but neither of them spoke and the penman said sharply hello been in some mischief the boys spoke out together then and muddled or blurred their reply for one said no far being his shortening of father and the other cried no sir both looking indignant at the suggestion what have you been doing then fishing sir good lads cried the first speaker leaning back on his seat and starting up and grasping the rough edge of the table to save himself from falling while the boys burst out laughing yes you may laugh my fine fellows said the first speaker rather pettishly but it wouldn't have been pleasant for me if i had gone down no far said his son colouring and speaking quickly i beg your pardon i am sorry i know chris you didn't think i suppose it looked droll yes sir said the other boy hastily i beg your pardon too you thought you were in an armchair didn't you i did my boy was the reply given in company with a weary sigh but granted granted and thank you i'm glad to find that though we are leading this half-savage life you young fellows don't forget that you are gentlemen gentlemen's sons sir said the second boy modestly same thing ned Bourne well so we're to have a treat fish for dinner eh where are they the boys exchanged glances again their eyes twinkling with mirth and then they burst out laughing merrily once more a big basket full of boys and the speaker rubbed his hands no far cried the first boy we haven't caught one what why where did you go to the upper pool sir said the second boy and there wasn't a fish then why didn't you try the river there is no river now far no river no far it was all turned into pools when we were there a fortnight ago and now there's only a muddy spot here and there all the rest have dried up tut 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 what a place it is oh it will be better soon sir said the second boy cheerfully there'll be a heavy rain the river will fill again and the fish begin running up from the sea it is such a lovely morning out and the flowers are glorious yes ned lovely and glorious 
said the penman sadly it is as i have often said a perfect paradise a beautiful garden i don't wonder that the old mission fathers called it the valley of the angels but though we can drink in the beauty of the place it does not quench one's thirst and not being herbivorous people we can't feed on flowers oh dear then there are no fish not till the rain comes far and when do they come the wet will find it easy to get to your skin chris and to yours too ned bourne what a pair of ragamuffins you look the two frank good-looking lads coloured through their bronzed skins and each involuntarily clapped his hands to a guilty spot that is to say one covered a triangular hole in his knickerbockers and the other pressed together the sides of a long slit in his norfolk jacket and they spoke together again i got hung up in the argaves father and the fawns catch like hooks a nail ran into my knickers sir when i was on the roof mending the shingles a very meritorious proceeding my dear ned but there are needles and thread in the chest why didn't you mend your nicks as you call them don't let's degenerate into scarecrows because we are obliged to live this robinson crusoe like life it's many years since i read that book chris but if i recollect right he used not only to mend his own clothes but make new ones out of goat skins a stitch in time saves mine boys so mend your ways i mean the open ways where the wind and rain get in see anything of your father ned yes sir he's working away with mr wilton up in the far orange grove far orange grove repeated christopher lee's father bitterly the grove without oranges is the blight the scale i mean any better up there no sir father said it was a hundred times worse but that was exaggeration ned cried chris eagerly it's very bad but not a hundred times worse than it was last time we were there say eighty or ninety times worse then said chris's father bitterly no dad's right sir cried ned bourne the twigs and leaves are covered with those nasty little tortoise-like things and he says they are sucking all the juices out of the trees they might have waited till the fruit was ripe said chris with a grin and then being contented with sucking a few oranges dr lee smiled sadly at his son and was silent for a few moments before saying that's bad news indeed boys it's like the last straw that breaks the camel's back i did hope that the orange trees were going to be better this year it would have made up for that other disappointment what other disappointment far cried chris sharply over the peaches i've been through the plantations this morning before i sat down to write home about our troubles but have the peaches got scale too father yes my boy and every other blight and disease possible to them without counting the dry shrivelled state they are in from the drought oh dear sighed chris there seems to be nothing here but disappointments oh yes there is my boy said the doctor it is a land of beauty and perfect health yes it's beautiful enough far said chris grudgingly and it's wonderful to see mr byrne who used to be so weak that he had to be carried out to lie in the shade while well, now he can do anything he runs faster than we can doesn't he ned 
ever so much said the lad proudly and with glistening eyes and he carried that tree to the saw pit said chris the one we couldn't lift yes he has thoroughly recovered said the doctor and we were none of us so well before in our lives but that makes it so bad for you far said chris with something of his father's bitterness of tone how are you ever going to get a practice together if people will be so horribly healthy what cried the doctor horribly healthy indeed why you wicked young ruffian do you suppose that i want people to be ill thank goodness that it is such a paradise of beauty and health don't i have people come from a hundred miles round with their accidents broken limbs and cuts dr lee said the other boy who had been sitting on a flour-barrel very silent and thoughtful and with his brow puckered up while his voice sounded eager and inquiring what is it sir are you going to defend chris no sir i wasn't thinking about what he said but about the way everything we have planted fails i can't understand it can't you my boy no sir we all came here from england didn't we to seek for health that's right ned father gave up his living in derbyshire because if he had stopped any longer he would have died yes ned and mr wilton gave up his practice as a lawyer because his doctor said that he was in the last stage of consumption but you didn't sir i was not his attendant my boy i have never seen him or mr wilton till i met them here on this land they have taken up did you think they'd die sir i was afraid so ned i never expected to see them recover as they have then i won't say it's a horribly disappointing place cried ned proudly i say it's beautiful and grand so it is my boy said the doctor but why have you begun talking like this oh that's nothing to do with what i was going to say sir said the boy excitedly what were you going to say then asked the doctor smiling that i can't understand it sir well you said so before cried chris grumpily of course i did you needn't catch me up chris i mean this sir i can't understand why it is that the trees and flowers and other things grow so beautifully here while the peaches and oranges bananas and corns are always killed by frost or want of water when they are not covered with insects and grubs which make them wither away that's simple enough my dear boy said the doctor gravely all those things which flourish so well are natives of this part of the world and grow wild those which we have planted are foreign to the soil and grow after the fashion to which they have been trained by cultivation nature is a better gardener than man but fruits of the soil that she produces and which flourish so bravely are not suited to our requirements oh i see said ned thoughtfully but what about the millions of insects why don't nature's plants get blighted the same as ours do they are replied the doctor only in the enormous space and amongst the millions of trees spread about we do not notice that a part of them suffer it is only in the plantations and orchards and gardens set apart by man for growing things quite foreign to the soil that the damage is so plain nature never meant groves of oranges to flourish here or they would have existed at least so it seems to me 
as it is we choose to settle down upon wild land that has been the home of the insects which annoy us ever since the beginning of time and plant those foreign trees so we must take our chance of their succeeding who's that coming across the plantation mr wilton said chris running to the door and father along with him cried ned tut, 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 to dinner i suppose said the doctor dismally potatoes and damper no boys i did think you would have had a dish of fish End of chapter one